0: The concept of designing places is not only creating infrastructure to carry out functions, but fashioning locations which create positive emotions and a sense of well-being. This might be seen as an evolving art form, but maybe not just an art form. It is not just creative people producing things that they think are aesthetically pleasing. I can have an opinion, but what is really impacting the way I react to a mall, a recreational precinct or other community place? Now you can ask people what they think, but that is a response after we have had the experience and that can be affected by the nature of the questions and how we feel we should rationalise our behaviour. Is there a better way? Jonathan Daly has just presented a paper at the Asian Pacific Conference for Place Leaders. He has a good story to tell. So what was the thrust of his presentation?
1: So the conference was for the, um, it was called Place Leaders. So that's a lot about placemaking, um, but also more broadly what's going on um, in our cities and, and how we're designing around people um, specifically. And the area that, um, that I was really focusing on is, is how do we measure this? How do we measure places in terms of um, how it affects people?
0: Now, when you say place, uh, are we talking about a suburb? Are we talking about an area, uh, or right down to the local level, or, or all of the above?
1: It's it's really all of the above. So, place um, can um, can have different meanings to different people at, at, at different scales everywhere. I mean, place can refer to your to your home, to um, to your street, your neighbourhood, your suburb, uh, your city. So,
0: so what are we doing here? You're, you're looking at it more closely because quite often a place like a street through the middle of a shopping centre has a historical function, which in many ways is just continues on. Yet you're, are you trying to look at that from a broader perspective and say, if we take a broader perspective, what might we do with it?
1: I was focusing very much on on how we measure place and how um, we measure the impact that it has on psychological and physiological comfort for people. So I I was presenting um, the development of of a new methodology that helps us measure these impacts on a subjective and objective level. Okay. So measuring how people feel about a space, but in terms of what they're able to articulate, but also what they're not able to articulate. So we're looking at what's happening, if you like, in, in the subconscious. We're uh, measuring heart rate, skin sensitivity. We're measuring um, also what's happening in the brain uh, through EEG and trying to correlate then what people say with what their body is saying at the same time
0: so this is if I design a mall area it's not just what my personal perception is and it's not even what people might hurriedly say in a survey it's how they as you mm. say physiologically react to it which is a much deeper uh, form of measurement
1: absolutely and um, if you consider the fact that we're only aware uh, consciously aware of about five to 10% of our behavior of what we we're doing at any point in time. That means the majority of how we experience what goes on around us is on a subconscious level. And the subconscious is incredibly powerful um, compared to our conscious. So we can process about 40 bits of information per second with our conscious and our subconscious can process 40 million bits per second. So, for most of us, it's very difficult. In fact, I think for everyone, it's actually really difficult to articulate why we like a place or why we feel comfortable there or, or uncomfortable. And we we really need a more rigorous, scientific-led approach to, to understand this.
0: I mentioned in an email, just uh, as we were sort of preparing for this chat, that uh, I had read some research about how people had been wired up for, uh, from an architectural point of view and were asked to walk down a street and look at different buildings and then see their mm. reaction to it. I know that's not exactly what you're doing here, but is that along the lines of uh, what you were doing?
1: Yes. It's, look, it's 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 very close. Um, I think what we were doing is a little bit more expansive. So we, what we do is to, is to walk with those people, if you like, um, so we we also have got people to we have mobile and um, EEG and um, headsets that they can wear to measure what happens in their brain. We can um, also fit them. We fit them out with them um, eye tracking glasses, and we're also said measuring heart rate and skin sensitivity. But then we walk with them. We ask them a series of questions, and well, in fact, they lead us. They t- take us on a walk through through an area, through a place, and. Um, we're, we're recording these two things together, what they're saying and, and how their body um, is responding, what they're looking at when they say these things and, and so on. So it's really about you know, trying to capture all this different information and then correlate it um, to, to try and provide, I suppose, a more in-depth and rigorous understanding of of how this this place is affecting them.
0: So what would happen? I walk down the street, you 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 start to notice, as you say, that I might be looking at something, but I might look at it and uh, and the other side of it is that I don't get too excited about it. I, uh, whereas if I look at something, it might not look at it for as long, but I might react more to it. Is those the sorts of dimensions you're trying to find out?
1: Yeah, at, at the moment this is quite... And experimental. So there's a lot that we're still working on. We we did publish um, uh, a journal article on the initial piece of research that we've done and we're now moving to the stage where we're going to um, start applying this to actual places and then start to iteratively develop the, the method. Hmm. So what we're doing in terms of, we, we take people, um, a cross-section of people, these are very in-depth interviews if you like, so we're not not aiming for huge quantities, it, it's all about the quality. What we do is we gather baseline information first. So we want to, to to kind of check, you know, your state of mind and how you feel psychologically and physiologically on that day, so we can make sure that you know what we're measuring is, is is accurate. And we also undertake an initial interview to understand, you know, what your attachment is to that place, you know, how long you've lived there, and what certain things mean to you, and so on. And then i say that the the participants will actually take us on a walk through the space. So we look at things, for example, when they decide to cross a street, uh, when they change direction, when they stop somewhere. We want to know why they've stopped, why they've turned. We want to get them to reflect on it consciously. But all the time we're measuring what's happening in the background as well
0: so i presume urban planners and designers will make use of this information but might also commercial interests as well how, how broadly do you think this sort of data and understanding may go well it, it, it has
1: potential for very wide applications it can be used to inform the design process it can be used to also very importantly to evaluate uh, what's already been built so that we can start to build uh, if you like some, some some stronger knowledge around what works and what doesn't work, particularly in terms of um, post occupancy evaluation, which you know we're 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 really bad at doing if we do it at all. A lot of the post occupancy evaluation that is undertaken is is incredibly uh, shallow. I, I I would say it's you know very basic surveys about um, you know how people have adapted to a new building. Um, We rarely at all undertake any kind of post-occupancy evaluation of our public spaces in our cities, which are so important to the the livability and the function of our uh, our cities. So, this kind of information it is it's a very in-depth, detailed approach, um, but it's useful to um, everyone from government to um, to designers, to developers, and to uh, in academia as well. So, it's very wide-ranging applications and. And usefulness
0: I wonder if it might help understand a, a, a almost multi-dimensional aspect of it. For example, I walk down one street not because I like the street but because it's safer, it's got better lighting, for example, and so that we might mm. not be just judging it on the shortest distance or, or those factors, but a range of factors in there that if we change one, we may change patterns quite significantly.
1: Yes, yeah, so well, one of the, um, the benefits um, that this type of approach has is that it, it helps us really understand exactly why you, you choose to, to use certain places or not use certain places or walk down certain streets and not walk down um, certain streets. So the, tr- the truth is quite, quite often we, um, we're, we're not sure how to articulate um, whether we like a street, so we, we then kind of post-rationalize <laughs> um, and we may we may attribute it to we think, you know, um, it's an attractive street that's why I walk down it but as you just said, it could be because actually you find it safer to walk down mm. uh, it's more comfortable uh, of an environment to be in but you may not want to articulate that so you could be, for example, you could be male and, and not want to admit that you use a certain place because you feel safer
0: <clears throat> Excuse me, so how do you dig down into that if if i 've walked down a street, my heart rate has shown certain things ha- how do you get down to that subconscious level
1: well as I mentioned earlier it 's about correlating those different uh, different data sets that we 're looking at. The data that we gather on brain activity um, is from the EEG is uh, something that requires specialist um uh, skills to to be able to analyze i don't personally have those we have to bring in uh, someone from neuroscience to to be able to do that but it's it, it's about uh, if, if you like it's it, it's almost triangulation it's having um these different uh, different points that are looking at different things but at the same time in in time um, and space as well and because we're in that location the person is actually experiencing it and we're Better able to capture the, this data about how it's affecting them on these two, two different levels. So it's, it, it takes a lot of skill and ability to be able to manipulate, uh, analyse, synthesise these data sets. But we have a multi-disciplinary team that you know covers all areas from urban design, and environmental psychology, neuroscience, and so on that enable us to. And to analyse it and then produce useful useful outcomes.
0: Might there be a part in my brain that sort of registers when I have fear, for example? Would that be the sort of information that you might uh, correlate to what person a person is actually saying?
1: Absolutely, we can with neuroscience. We can we can um, tell uh, which emotion you're feeling by which part of the brain is um, is activated at that time. And we also know that, for example, you. You know, we feel first and then later we try and work out why we felt that way. And, and that's a problem when we, uh, in, in terms of the reliability of just asking someone, how do you feel and why do you feel that way?
0: Because that often, as you say, comes after the event, which has a whole pile of different parameters added into it, whereas what you're doing is measuring exactly at the event. Exactly. That's exactly correct. Now, I wonder whether then that might ultimately lead to things where I get up in the morning, I measure in some way my mood, and uh, your algorithms might then say to me, well, I don't think you should go down to the shops today. You'll only get depressed. (laughs) Uh, I I mean, I'm pushing to the future, but might that happen?
1: I, I think that that's very likely in the future to happen, indeed. <laughs> um, I'm sure there will be an app for it at some point <laughs> um, that will that will measure it in some way. And indeed, I mean, there are c- certain apps that um, will kind of do things like this or, or, or say they do. But these kind of technologies, I mean, you know, these uh, mobile devices to measure what's happening on a, a physiological level are developing at a rapid pace. They're becoming increasingly more effective at what they do and they're becoming cheaper as well to to buy. So, you know, it's it's, it's an area that I think, um, you know, we're, we're becoming a lot more interested in as individuals as well as researchers um, in terms of health and well-being in particular.
0: You see, shops have been uh, thinking about that for a while, really, if you come in to try and measure your mood and therefore, understand how they may approach you, and it'd be nice to think that it wasn't being pushed just by the Almighty dollar of commercialism, but it was also from mm. a government community point of view is being talked about in a much broader sense of well being.
1: We would have reservations about using this you know purely in a commercial environment that was to in any way manipulate people into into purchasing things. I think there's there's a much more useful application for it as you say, you know, for um, communities, you know, where our cities are rapidly developing. You know, we've they're becoming uh, more intense in terms of uh, usage and density and uh, transport and so on and so forth. I think there's a, a, a lot there's a lot better uses that we could put um, this kind of research um, to in terms of looking at. Uh, for example, just our health and well-being in these kind of environments and how do we ensure that um, we don't create environments that that lead to, 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 to health and mental uh, problems in the future?
0: Yes, that's a very broad bow and a lovely bow you know, that that we do consider that. But, but perhaps a, in a transport sense and a little bit more detailed, I was travelling on a bus the other day and it was a twisty road and there were a high level of discomfort to me. Might we be mm. able to measure transport performance based on some of the factors of how I feel as we 're going along whether it jerks twists and bounces uh, ultimately perhaps perhaps in one way to say I will slow the vehicle down here because it's creating too much distress to other you know, to people so things like that is that a possibility
1: absolutely i mean this this method has uh, been developed to initially to to measure um, What's happening, or the effect of architectural and public spaces, but um, you could easily argue that uh, that a bus or a, a train carriage, um, or even a car, any form of transport, is is uh, you know a space in itself. I mean, I can quite easily see. Um, I think it'd be quite interesting to look at. You know, what is the experience like for a bus passenger, or a, um, a train passenger, or a tram passenger, on a certain route. Uh, in terms of comfort, but also in terms of you know the, the journey the whole journey experience
0: there's an interesting parallel here we signpost corners on the road for a particular speed and every rev head in the world will say no i can go faster than that but there are two issues that they don't consider one is sight distance i might go around the corner and it's so tight i can't see very far but the other one is the comfort of people in the car and and it's often totally mm. overlooked so that a new car can go much quicker around the corner but it's incredibly uncomfortable for people in the car and so in other words in that circumstance we're not just looking at one dimension we're looking at other things as well which may be part of the whole issue.
1: Absolutely and I think in that same um, example you could also consider what impact one person's driving is having on other road users. They may be relatively skilled driver and they may be able to take a few more risks but other road users still interact and observe and see how they're they're driving and, and that causes discomfort because um, if someone speeds up and abruptly stops at a stop line for example a pedestrian waiting to cross is not sure until the last moment that they're going to stop so they have that period of discomfort until they're absolutely sure that the vehicle's going to stop.
0: Let me take something totally left field. Perhaps then our driving licence test might involve something an awful lot more than doing a reverse park and a few other things. You drive around the street, mm. perhaps measured for a while, and you are assessed both on your abilities to do something but also your impact on others. I'm, I'm dreaming a little here, but perhaps we might even move to that direction.
1: I, I think it's... It's, it's certainly possible, whether it's politically acceptable at yeah. this stage, um, I'm not sure, but um, it's it's absolutely possible. It would be quite interesting. I mean, you could certainly, you know, you could simulate that in a lab and, and, and test it and, and see what kind of results you get back, but to, to do it in... In a, in a real um, environment, would be even more
0: enlightening. And perhaps we may never get there, yet we might trial it, which would give us some idea of what the tests of the future might need to be like, even if we don't measure everyone to the intensity that you're talking about.
1: Mm. Of course, the, the the more interesting way to do this, but um, virtually impossible, would be to wire up the other people on the road <laughs> to see how they respond to your driving. <laughs>
0: Well, it's far more accurate than hand signals, if you know what I mean. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jonathan, that's lovely. There's some wonderful stuff there, and I don't want to see it as a futuristic technology controlling us, but us understanding people much better, so that we can have mm. a more holistic approach.
1: Absolutely, the, the ultimate aim of this is to design environments that are have a better fit for us as human beings on a psychological and physiological level.
0: Jonathan, thank you very much for your time. You're very welcome. Thanks, David. Jonathan Daly is an urbanist, a professional who looks at how our towns and cities function and how we can create a better community through informed design.